0: Welcome to Kronbiha on this March 30th, Thursday afternoon. My name is Terry O'Donnell. And as I promised, uh, I went on a two-week vacation, so I was a bit of a hiatus here. Now, the big thing about my trip was it went. I went to Florida. Now, two weeks in Florida, I did some writing and I learned quickly about some of the things I read while I was on my trip and learned firsthand a little bit while I was down there. And I've given Florida a new name. Florida is now called DeSantis Land. Only because Ron DeSantis has become quite the authoritarian government now, that Governor down there. He's doing everything he possibly can to turn Florida into his own private feudal kingdom down there. And And I did pick up a story. So while I was gone, I did pull stories out and I did have access to the internet about half the time I was down there and when I did have internet access I pulled out some articles and put them in my notes here so I could bring them to you while, when I got back so one of the things that I pulled up was US Republican leader Ron DeSantis lays out right wing platform now he did this about a week or so ago Went out to California and did another stomp. I think he's fueling the waters for a presidential run. Now, he hasn't come out and said he wants to run. I think he's just sticking his toes in the water to see how he's going to get received in other places besides Florida. That's problematic because that guy's scary. I've mentioned this before. If that guy ever gets into the White House, we're all in big trouble. He's going to basically ban books across the world well, I say world, he will ban books across the nation. He will turn all the public schools into shells, privatize schools, privatize pretty much everything in in all kinds of weird stuff. So no, we don't want him in the White House. Okay, I'm telling you, we don't want him in the White House. So with that said, I'm going to give you some good news of sorts. And I'm going to kind of give you when I pull this up. So on March 9th, just before I headed for Florida, I found this article about Honduras. And it's labeled, Honduras' first woman president legalizes morning-after pill. And the reason I picked this out is because, if well, if Honduras can do it, why can't the U.S. do it? We're in such an uproar right now over this abortion pill. I mean, it's humane, it's safe, as far as it's concerned. It's been around for a while. But all these Right-wing nut jobs here in this country want to make it. They want to make it illegal to take it. Of course, they're starting to do worse than that. Besides just the pill, I mean, there are states who are trying to stop women from crossing the state borders. And it was an article I read yesterday about how you know they're talking about setting up checkpoints at state borders so that women can't escape their states if they try to go out and get an abortion. I mean. Is this the United States? I mean, are we really living in the United States now? Kind of makes me wonder that, I mean, they haven't actually passed this bill yet out there. And I think there will be some cons- constitutional arguments against that. But it's just the fact that they feel like they can actually l- send that out there for review. I mean, that's, that's pretty scary. I'm glad I don't live out there. There's another funny one. Well, sort of kind of funny. I found this one on March 9th also. Berlin is to allow women to go topless in public swimming pools. And it was another article that followed up on that here about a week later, how they're going to allow women to in, in Germany to go topless in their, um, so I wouldn't say Olympic events because that's worldwide, but any of their com- competitions, if you will, uh, their swimming competitions. So if German women want to go topless in their swimming competitions or hang out around their pools in Berlin and stuff and uh, do it topless, it's legal now. For those who are uh, voyeurs who are interested in that kind of thing, go to Berlin. I got some other not so good stuff here. And this is another article from Tom Hartman that I picked up on March 10th. And he's he said something about it again here the last day or so. And it talks about... Jared and Donald Trump. Did Jared and Trump sell out America for billions while the media looked the other way? Have we just watched this Jared and Trump walk away with billions after selling out Yemen, Khashoggi, and the United States? Were in virtually no questions from mainstream media Congress? And there was another article about this in the last couple of days, as I mentioned, and it talks about how Jared and his wife went and met, he got a bailout from a Canadian company. Well, the problem is the Canadian company didn't have the money. They got the money from the Middle East. And how that worked out was because Jared did the, did the Saudis a solid, the solid, the Saudis went ahead and did a bad thing at Qatar and blockaded them, basically threatened them, said, you're going to do what we tell you or we're going to make, make life really bad for you. And I remember this a year or so ago when this happened. It was it was in the overseas news more than it was here in the states. But the big thing was the Qataris basically they held out for a little while, but eventually caved. And what it, what it really bailed out to was that the Qataris sent money to this Canadian company, and then the Canadian company gave it to Jared to bail out his mortgage at his high price. Uh, Fifth Avenue building that he's got that he couldn't afford when he bought it, and so it goes. So money laundering in the Middle East, and they're getting away with it. And, I mean, nobody's calling Mr. Jared here uh, onto the carpet for the for the bailout he got from the Qataris, although it came from the Canadians and then, and then from the Saudis. So I mean, it's it's a mess. And here's a here's a good one that came up on March 9th. There was a Republican representative down on the southern border who raised a big stink uh, when those people got kidnapped here a couple weeks ago and a couple of them got shot by the Mexican cartels. Well, the cartel came good on it. They found the two guys who made the mistake and turned them over to the cops. You know, basically said, hey, we're sorry. Here's the guys who did it. Punish them as you will. Uh, We'll make sure this doesn't happen again. Well, you know, that should have been it. Should have been it, but no, this American representative had to get all in the public and in the media and try to convince Congress to send troops over the border without Mexico's permission and start getting into the cartels and rooting them out and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And of course, the story here is Mexico's president slams calls for US military to target cartels. Well. That's a sovereign nation. You can't just send troops over the border anytime you want to just because you're a little bit upset. A couple of your constituents did something stupid down there and got, you know, got killed for it. That's that's on them. That has nothing to do with your constituency. Stupid humans do stupid human things all the time. And there's a classic example. They were in a place they shouldn't have been, doing something they probably shouldn't have been doing. There's two schools of thought there. They were down there doing something that they probably shouldn't have been doing, but they kind of got forced to because their insurance companies wouldn't pay for it. So, you know, it's kind of a two-sided coin. Uh, heads, heads you go down and heads on the other side not because you needed some kind of medical treatment. But at the same time, dangerous, dangerous place down there. You got to be really careful if you go down to Mexico these days. So anyway, people got hurt, so on and so forth. So, you, can, you know, it goes back to you can't just deploy American troops willy-nilly anywhere you want to in the, United, in, the, in the world just because you're upset about something. It doesn't work that way. Trust me, sovereign nations have just as much pull around the world as the Americans do. They're getting tired of Americans bullying them around, and they're pushing back. Here's a classic example, Mexico. A little bit of news. This is more climate news that I pulled up. On March 10th, I read an article in CBC. Canada, home to the massive boreal forest, lobbied to limit U.S.-EU anti-deforestation bills. This is about how Canada is saying one thing, and the logging companies are doing just the opposite all for profit. The, act, the US is actually stepping up to do a little bit more on our side of the border but the Canadians apparently aren't and for the Canadians they're all, they've always been the side of climate and environmental issues and stuff like that and it, when it, but when it comes to their forest and, and making paper yeah maybe not so much you know God I wonder what everybody's hiding up there in north, north of the border here. Uh, here's another one south of the border. Record deforestation in Brazil's Amazon rainforest shows challenge facing the new president, Lula, down there. Satellites show record destruction for the month of February as new government tries to undo damage wreaked under Bolsonaro. Well, you know, we all knew this going in, and when he took over, he inherited a rat's nest and big mess down there. Bolsonaro was definitely all for profit, and he could care less about anything else. So do you, I mean, if you absolutely think that, you know, Lula is going to be able to do turn everything over in a month. Yeah, not happening. It's going to be a long while and a lot of hard work to get all them people out of the Amazon down here and start to bring things back to where they belong. You know, wish it was something as easy as snapping your fingers and making it all go away, but nope, it doesn't work that way, especially when it comes to the climate. Mother Earth is a slow-moving entity. and She doesn't go fast for anybody. And here's another kind of a little oddball that I picked up also here on the 10th. NASA says an asteroid that everybody's been all worried about has a small chance of hitting the Earth in 2046. Space rock with an average diameter of 49 meters is expected to have 10 approaches to the Earth, the closest in February of 2046. Basically, it was everybody running around like Chicken Little saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, because somebody said something about this asteroid. And the scientists are saying, yeah, you know, quit worrying. It's going to get close, but it ain't going to hit us. You all can go back to work now. Go back to sleep. Go back under your rocks. Don't, don't worry about it. And here's another thing about climate change. So I don't know how many people know about Sir Richard Attenborough over in England. He's been a climate activist for decades. And recently, he was going to do a broadcast on BBC, another one of his episodes. But unfortunately, he uh, got censored because of the right-wing viewers over there. You know, and I'm thinking, that's pretty bad when the British have to actually censor somebody like Richard Attenborough, like we do here in the United States, because they're worried about right-wing backlash. I mean, it seems to be pretty liberal, but maybe not. Or is it the other way around? Are we getting our bad habits from them guys? Now well, that's a that's that's a good question. I got a I got a thing about immigration, and again, this is another one. This came out of the Guardian. This is overseas news. So everybody knows that the UK is having a lot of problems with immigration issues. They got lots of people coming in by boats, coming in by planes, coming in, you know, any way they can illegal lorries, you name it. These people are coming from impoverished countries doing everything they can to get to the UK. I've talked a little bit about this before, but here's another one. They're so desperate in the UK to do something about all these migrants and immigrants over there. They're making deals with France to set up detention centers. UK will pay for it if they'll house them over in France's territory. Now, the big thing is... It seems like maybe not just France, maybe other countries over there may be getting on board. I mean, if the UK is willing to pay for it, they may be setting up detention centers all over Western Europe. That's uh, going to be interesting to keep, the, keep an eye on that one. Here's one from Facebook. I got into this one, another one on, on the 10th. Facebook parent Meta is exploring Twitter-like app. So everybody knows that Twitter is failing. And problem is Twitter has been around for a while. So everybody and their brother around the world is on Twitter. And government, you got a lot of high-powered government representatives from governments all over the world that are using Twitter and so on and so forth. And Elon Musk has basically ruined it. Now the question is, everybody's looking for something to jump off to. So it looks like Meta and slash Facebook is... Maybe trying to come up with an alternative uh, on their platform. A Twitter-like app would allow Meta to take advantage of the current chaos. I mean, it's no surprise. I mean, here's the thing: it won't be just Meta that's going to be doing this. Uh, there's a company called Mastodon that's coming out. They, they're trying to take over some of the market share from Twitter. It's no, you know, it's no surprise that Meta's going to try and do the same thing. Uh, I'm sure Google is going to try and ramp up what they got going on. Everybody in their brother is going to try and take advantage of Twitter's failings right now and offer the public something different. The question is, how long is it going to take for people to jump? I mean, everybody's so in, you know entrenched in Twitter right now. Um, that's going to be interesting. Here's another one, climate change. Pipeline developers demand $20 billion U.S. payout from Canada... After Quebec projects rejected, here's here's the back pages of the world. Fossil fuel companies argue that natural gas will reduce carbon emissions instead of making more. Now, as I said, what, where have we heard that before? Because that's not true. That's not true at all. Natural gas produces just as much, if not more, carbon emissions as just you you know burning raw fuel. Uh, it's just you know it just looks different, and. The big thing about it is all the fossil fuel corporations are promoting natural gas as an alternative, saying that, oh, no, it's not it's not polluting, it's not this and not that. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to cry BS on that one. And scientists have disproven that all over the place. But again, it's all about the money. The more they can convince people uh, of, their fine, of their deals, saying natural gas is good for you, it's the old saying, if you say something enough, Long enough, you can get enough people to believe it, whether it's true or not. Well, there's a classic case. Fossil fuel companies are going to be promoting this thing for a long time, trying to get everybody on board with it, even though they're lying to your face. And here's something from Ecuador. U.S. risk being on the wrong side of history. The Biden administration should stop extending blind support for Guillermo Lasso's corruption-ridden presidency, uh, written by Luis Ortiz. And this article talks about how corrupt Ecuador is, but yet we're supporting them. We did this back in when Reagan Reagan got caught doing this kind of doing this kind of stuff, and apparently the media is picking up and watching closely now after after that mess 40 years ago. And so every time the United States gets involved with a with a South American company or country down there and starts meddling in their affairs. Somebody starts blowing a whistle, and here's a classic case. I would say, if you get an opportunity, read about this one, because it could get messy and it'll blow up in somebody's face again. Uh, I pull up another Tom Hartman article here on the 12th. And this one is an excerpt from book, his book, Chapter 11, How Conservatism and Feudalism are One and the Same, and Corporate Feudalism has Nearly Taken Over the United States Government. And that's a very true statement. Right now, the United States government, especially the GOP, is owned by corporations. They're the ones telling the GOP reps, and senators, and Supreme Court reps, and all that kind of, anybody affiliated with the GOP, they're telling them what to do. You do this, or we're going to pull your money. And the GOP are saying, all right, we don't want to lose our money, so how high you don't want us to jump. And that's what the GOP has come down to. They are bought. And paid for by corporations. And when a corporation says jump, they say, how high do you want me to jump? And they don't care. And it's going to kill us, unfortunately. The only bad thing about that is when the United States goes down, it's going to cause a huge economic ripple across the world. And a lot of other failures around the world are going to happen at the same time. Uh, Economic failures, I should say. And that's... Course, like anything else, when you when the money goes away, so does everything else. It's trickle trickle effect, <laughs> unfortunately. Here's another one. Uh, this talks about Saudi Aramco. This is in Al Jazeera. Oil giant Saudi Aramco records historic 161 billion dollar profit in 2022. Yeah, well, they jacked the prices up really high, uh, saying, Oops, we've got a problem. And they kept the prices there come to make money. Well, not only did Aramco make a huge lot of money, all the other fossil fuel corporations around the world got on their coattails and made money off of all of that as well. So, no, it's a worldwide deal. Fossil fuels are bad, okay? I can't say it enough. Fossil fuels are bad. All right, Dan, that's that's my pushback against these guys with the natural gas, saying, oh, natural gas is good for us. I'm saying, no, it's not. And fossil fuels in general are bad for everything. They're bad for the environment. They're bad for your health. They're bad for the economy. They're just bad, period. All right? I'll say that pretty much every week. All right? Sorry. And maybe the more I say it, the more people will listen to it. And maybe a few other people will get on the bandwagon and also push. Enough people say something, then enough people start believing it. And you see how that works. Well, we'll see. I did pick up an article on the twelfth about Biden to protect 60 million acres in the Alaska and Arctic from oil drilling. Well, after the twelfth, that deal went through, and he actually allowed that to go through, and they're now soliciting auctions for oil drilling rights up there. So the big thing about that is what did Biden caved? Okay, and that didn't make the news, but it's very obvious Biden caved to pressure. And there's no doubt in my mind that probably was some sort of economic pressure coming from the GOP and the fossil fuel companies. And he, they pinched him so bad, he basically had no choice but to run around in there and give in to these people. And that's a shame. And that's what I've always said. Joe, Joe Biden has got a good heart. He, he thinks in all the right places. But he doesn't have enough courage to stand up to these people and do the right thing. I mean, it's a shame. I like the guy, but unfortunately, he's not a very strong president. Okay, He's trying to do the right thing, but he's not strong enough to stand up to these bullies. And that that's going to be his downfall. If he does decide to run in 2024, I, I won't vote for him. But on the other hand, I'm not going to vote for any Republican either. So it's going to be a toss-up. I have no idea who I would vote for at this point. I hope the Democrats come up with somebody a little stronger, got a little more backbone, and is willing to stand up to these bullies on the right. We'll see. Now, here's another article from Tom Hartman I picked up on the on the nineteenth. Now, hate has now that hate has become the GOP's main political weapon. What can Americans do? Now's the time for Republicans. To Republicans to show the courage of Manny Connell and loudly and publicly leave their party. As Germans learned by the late 1930s, if they don't act now, it may soon be too late. What he's talking about is when the Nazis took over Germany back in the 1930s. They started in the late 20s, but really ramped it up in the early 30s, and that whole decade just went forth and took over everything. And they were allowed to do it. And their platform was, you guys in here in Germany have all been crushed and basically shut off and everything else, and we have an alternative solution for you. Well, the Republicans are trying to do the same thing here in the United States. They're trying to take over the government in their image and enact a fascist-style government and a one-party system with a president who will do whatever's... He may be strong. I mean, he might be a Ron DeSantis kind of guy where he's going to come out there with a big bully. Uh, his, you know, I would say bully. I want to say he's come up with a, what Teddy Roosevelt call it, a big stick, all right? He's going to come out with a big stick and say, you're going to do what I tell you to. And if you don't like it, too bad. That's what I'm afraid of for 2024 is that well, that's what we're up against. A lot of A lot of Americans are all on board with that right now. I mean... There was a poll here a few months ago uh, by, I forget, some company. But they did a poll, and they said that 70% of the GOP, you know, diehard Republican voters, are all on board with some sort of authoritarian government coming in and ruling the country. They're tired of things the way they are. And that turned out to be about a third of the country. So 70% of the GOP comes to about one-third of the United States population are all on board with us having an authoritarian or theocratical type government with one party and, you know, you're basically not having any choice of what kind of government you're going to have. I picked up some other stuff here later on, you know, most of it after I got home. I started picking these up here when I got back from vacation. So here's something I found in Al Jazeera this is, a, this is a, how do you call it, an immigration-type article uh, from overseas. So overseas is not too far. The Darien Gap is down there between South America and Panama. And it's a strip of jungle down there that's very dangerous, all full of bad guys. Uh, you've got uh, cartels. You've got bandits. you You name it, bad people are down there. And they're raping and killing people left and right that are trying to cross out of South America, make it up through Central America and in the United States. Well, they they hit this Darien Gap down there and a lot of people are getting hurt and and killed. It says here, rape is a weapon of war against asylum seekers. Disturbing reports of sexual assault in the Darien Gap reveal yet another horrifying aspect of border warfare. Uh, This is from Belin Fernandez. And she published this on the 19th. And You know, it's just like I said, there's no, there's no authority down there. The cops are non-existent. The local military basically is only kind of a little bit rushing around in there. So for the most part, the bad guys rule the jungle. And so for those poor people that are trying to escape the bad things uh, down in South America and find a better life up north... I'm, I feel bad for them. I really do, because there's no there's no way to help them. There, there there's nobody wants to help them. They're on their own, uh, and they don't obviously are probably not carrying weapons to protect themselves and all that kind of stuff. So it's just going to get worse, unfortunately. So here's some more stuff. This is la- latest. This one here is from Ahmed Twaz Here, um, she's, he's a freelance journalist and filmmaker. He published this on the 28th. He had an article he did was, Bush did what Putin's doing, so why is he getting away? And what he's describing is what George W. Bush did to Iraq in 2003. I mean, he started in 2002 with all his running around saying that there was weapons of mass destruction over in Iraq, and that we needed to do something about it. And he was basically almost foaming at the mouth over this stuff, you know, trying to get, the, trying to bully NATO into helping him out, and they declined, rightly so. Getting Colin Powell uh, to to lie to NATO, and he didn't know it at the time. Um, he much regretted doing that, uh, and it kind of he felt like it really tainted his reputation uh, once once it finally came out. But basically, it turns out George W. Bush had. No clue whether there was WND there or not. He didn't care. All he knew was that he wanted to be a wartime president and as such would get him reelected again four years later. He inherited a presidency from Obama and three, four, what, seven, eight months later, nine months later, let's say nine months later, 9-11 happened in, on his watch and he said, all right, we're going to take revenge, yada, yada. So... Rumsfeld set special forces over at the end of 2001 and bombers in, obliterated a bunch of training camps and do all kinds of stuff. Well, according to this guy, and, and, I, and I, I agree with him, that should have been the end of it. We should have pulled out of there and left things alone. Let the Afghans do what they got to do over there and quit messing around in their government. But no, we couldn't do that. Oh, no, no, no. I got deployed over there in January of 2002. I spent a year over there trying to win hearts and minds, and that didn't work out at all. We ended up winning nothing. The Iranians won a whole bunch of stuff, but that's another story. The big thing about it is we ruined Iraq, okay? When we invaded in 2003, we ruined them. We ruined Afghanistan. I mean, look at the mess Afghanistan is in right now. You know, we pulled out abruptly... We should have pulled out years ago. We should have never been, according to this guy, and again, I agree with him, we never should have been there in the first place. Did what we had to do initially at the end of 2001 and went home. Let it go. And just let it all ride. The Taliban were doing what they were doing, but we should have just left them alone to do their thing. Instead, no. We had to go in there and try to get rid of the Taliban. and See how that worked out for us. Not... And now we went into Iraq and tried to do much the same thing. But the problem is, and I'll say this firsthand because I have a lot of friends that were there in 2003 and subsequent years. I had a son, a couple of my two, my two sons were over there. So the big thing about all of this was we sent a bunch of corrupt officials over there, a bunch of corrupt defense contractors over there, and they ruined everything. They didn't, they, you know, when we sent our government state department official over there to to reorganize the government after we we toppled the military and Saddam Hussein's government we replaced it with one of our own this guy didn't have a clue he had no idea what he was doing he messed things up terribly tore everything up and then we left it then we left it a mess we pulled out of there and then now now they're in total disarray and same thing with Afghanistan We didn't accomplish a thing over there. Pulled out abruptly, left a vacuum, and now what? You see what's going on over there as it is. And we lost a few on the way out. It should never have happened. Now for something a little funny. I got this from the other day. This is from Alexander Panetta CBC News in Canada. Canada, helping Mexico invade the U.S., says Republican firebrand. Well, I'll give you one guess who this Republican firebrand is. Her initials are MTG. And she went on uh, some news talk show telling this reporter there that the, with Canadians having wide open immigration up there and letting all the Mexicans and, and southern South American people go to Canada, and then these people are trying to come back down into America from Canada, that the Canadians are in cahoots with the Mexicans to invade the United States. I mean, seriously? I mean, this is the same lady who said we should have a national divorce between the red states and the blue states. And now she's, she's what's the word I'm looking for? She's basically saying to Canada, is, is helping Mexico invade us. Are we being invaded here in the United States? I mean, do you feel like you're being invaded? Seriously? Then I got another thing. I had an article here about Trump's rally in Waco. This is a guy that wrote an article on Medium.com. His name is John Dean. And he writes some political stuff occasionally. And his, he wrote an article about Trump's Waco in Waco, but should not be ignored article. And basically what it boils down to is Donald Trump, as we all know, held a political rally for his presidency Uh, or his wannabe presidency in 2024, down at Waco. Now, Waco was famous for that commune thing that got wiped out uh, and set fire to and all that kind of stuff. And since then, according to the article, it's been a a nest of people fomenting all kinds of things against the government and stuff. Now, he's gone down there and held a rally. And the rally, all the things that he was saying is almost treasonous in some ways. He's telling everybody he wants to take over the government. He wants to set up a new government and doing all kinds of weird stuff. The problem is, as crazy as it all sounds, what's worrisome is that he may actually be able to pull it off. That should scare everybody right there. Everybody is, everybody's kind of laughing at him right now. But to be honest with you, I wouldn't be laughing too hard. This guy's got a serious following. Now, it's not as much as it used to be, but it... He's He's got some stuff going on in the background and he may just pull a an ace out of his sleeve and we could see some bad things down the road. Some violent things. Now here's another article from Tom Hartman. We can't let Bush-Cheney war lies go down the memory hole. Sadly, it's clear that neither Bush nor Cheney Will be held accountable for their lives and blood and the treasure they cost. And this is Tom Hartman, and this goes along with that other article I talked about from Al Twaj about Bush's thing, how he Bush is doing what Putin's doing, um, and getting away with it. And Tom Hartman is basically saying the same thing: that George W. and Cheney and Rumsfeld, all in cahoots, uh, all in cahoots together, got us into these wars and cost us over 5,000 lives and trillions of dollars in debt for nothing. Okay? Now, I will tell you a story. I was over, as I said, I was over there in Afghanistan in 2002. And while we were there, of course, the only television we had was through a rooftop satellite dish. And it wasn't very good. It It all depends on what the weather was just right. We might be able to get a good signal from Europe. So as such, I was... When it, was, when it would come through, I would listen to Al Jazeera news straight out of the Middle East. I would listen to European news and so on. The big thing was back then, all the people could talk about when it came down to this was how the Americans came over there and took over Iraq for the, for the oil. And the reason for that is because Saddam Hussein was getting ready to sell his oil to the Russians and the French. And of course, the Americans couldn't have that. Oh, no, no, they could not get cut out of the Iraqi oil. They had to have it. So they convinced George W. and his cronies to go to war over there and basically take over all of the oil fields and the port at Basra to make sure the oil flowed and got into the tankers. It's kind of hard to believe, but apparently the story may be true because if you think about it, back then when we deployed our troops from Kuwait, What's the first thing we sent them to do once we crossed the border? They secured the oil fields, and they sent the English troops over to Basra and secured the an oil port so that the ships could continue to be loaded. Did they secure the borders? No. And this is what General Shinseki got fired for. He told him straight out, if you're going to do this, you need to do it right. You've got to have enough troops over there to secure the borders. If you don't secure the borders, you're going to lose. You're going to waste your time. And he got fired for it. So right after all of that, we sent the troops in and they secured the oil fields and they didn't secure the borders. So Al-Qaeda and all of their cronies and stuff poured across the borders because the Iraqis, they got all fired. The Baptist army got sent home. The, The guy that we sent over there for the State Department told the Baptist army, lay down your arms, go home. We don't need you anymore. So our troops went in there, secured the oil fields. The English NATO troops went over to Basra, secured that, and left the borders open. And all these terrorists poured across the border. And you saw how you know anybody who's still, I would say, at least 20 years old is old enough to know the news of all that would happen. Once that happened, we have we had an insurgency. We couldn't quell it. It just you know just kept developing, kept getting worse. And now, you know, it's a mud hole over there. Of course, we pulled out and left them hanging. So I do have a little last little bit I got here for you is uh, kind of good news in a way. Critical first steps. U.S. Senate votes to repeal Iraqi war powers. And another article from Al Jazeera. And I say that only because anybody that remembers the initial pullover One of George W.'s deals was he got Congress to grant him temporary, and was supposed to be just temporary, war powers to send our troops over there to go to war because Congress couldn't get their act together and let him do it. They were fighting over it. I mean, rightly so. I mean, NATO said no, so our Congress should have said no. And the way our Constitution works, Congress is officially the only branch of our government is allowed to declare war. In World War II, FDR had to go in front of Congress and say, hey, they just bombed Pearl Harbor. Can we go to war? And Congress had to vote yes. And Congress has voted no on occasions in the past. And, you know, presidents have listened, except for George W. This time, he did everything he possibly could, got this temporary War Powers Act voted in for him. He went to war, and, of course, we all know history from there. Well, after a couple of presidents later, Senate has finally voted to repeal it, and I say yay! Couldn't happen, it couldn't happen at a better time. Make it go away, revert everything back to the way it's supposed to be. Now, if we need to go to war again, our president, whoever he may be, has to go to Congress and say, "Hey, I want to do this. Can you, can you let me do it?" Hopefully, it'll all be right. Now, the big thing about all this, all this news, as I say, I pulled it. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, some of it, I try to be a little bit humorous. You know, that topless thing in Berlin is kind of cute. And Honduras being, it's a woman president over there, legalizing the morning after pill. So basically, you know, think about it. That's countrywide. The whole country is allowed to do that now. So if Honduras can do it, why can't we do it? You know? Why can't we do it? I don't know. There are so many, there's so much going on right now. With all this LGBTQ stuff, it's it's not funny. In a way, it's kind of scary because we're almost on the verge of doing witch hunts for these people. So instead of witch hunts, we're going to start calling them gay hunts. I mean, think about it. That's, I bet you anything, that's what they would call it. They would call it gay hunting. All right. So back in the day, when we were lynching black people for even looking sideways at a white woman or Or just being accused of it. Whether they did or not didn't matter. All they had to be is accused of it. And they'd be hung from the nearest tree. Some of them got burnt, tore apart, hung from trees, you name it. Any number of bad things happened. to these poor people just for anything. And so we outlawed all of that. So majority of it's, you know, gone away. Thank goodness. But the point is, we're starting to now do that with the gay community. And that's, it's getting scary. I mean, Kentucky just passed this law like today or yesterday outlawing pretty much anything gay, anything with the LGBTQ community is pretty much being outlawed. outlawed, And they're, you know, I would say at this point they're doing everything they can to convince these people, this community, to leave the state. They don't want you. Get out. And, you know, there's some other states... They're not quite as bad as this, but they're close. And it's coming down to a point where these red states, and you want to call them red states, are saying, we don't want these people in our state. They need to go away. We're going to do everything we can to force them out. So it comes back to what I was saying earlier. Are we going to start having gay hunts in here in the future? Are we going to start lynching gay people from trees? Um, put them, you know... They're already going to jail for stupid stuff, which is wrong. But still, I mean, are we, is that what is that what it's going to come down to? Are we going to have racist racist groups of people, white people? You betcha, it's going to be white people. Are they going to be running around um, in vigilante groups, hanging people from the trees? Is that coming? Well, after this latest shooting over in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's one of the strictest. Well, you know, I say, strictest for, they're right on verge with with Tennessee. But at the same time, they're so open with weapons over there, I, maybe I should say they won't be hanging them from trees. They'll be shooting them. In Tennessee, they will. I mean, they won't hang anybody over there. They'll just shoot them. Everybody's carrying a gun. It's legal to carry a gun in Tennessee. You don't need any paperwork. All you got to do is walk up there, say, hey, I want to buy a gun. Sign a piece of paper. Out the door you go with the gun. There's no wait period, no nothing. You don't need a license. You don't need to tell anybody anything. Go buy the gun, walk out the door with it, you're good to go. And that goes for anybody, from. and they just lowered the age to 18. So anybody 18 years and older, whether they know how to shoot a gun or not, can walk into a gun shop, purchase a gun, buy a bunch of ammunition, and walk out with it. They don't do any background checks. Well, if they... I say they probably do a federal background check, but the guy's already got the gun. So it's a, what are you going to do after that? Three days later, after they buy the gun, they go out, they go out and shoot a bunch of people. Oh, well, they're still waiting on a background check. Oops. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, that's just, to me, that's just really wrong. I've always believed that a weapon of any kind, if it shoots any type of projectile, is a tool. And the person holding that tool is responsible for that tool and what happens with it. And the responsible person should have it, you know, like driving a car. Somebody made this analogy here the other day. If you have to have a weapon for any reason, you should have a license that shows you're qualified with that tool. Just like a car. You've got to have a driver's license for a car, and a car is a very big weapon. You could kill a lot of people with it, as shown in recent past. Well, so can a weapon. You can put a 15-round magazine in a, in a Glock or a Beretta or other brands, and you can go to town with that thing. 15 bullets will kill a lot of people, if you, you know if you know how to shoot. But AR-15s with these 30-round clips, uh, you can kill a lot of people with those things. And as proven, Nashville isn't a good example. They didn't kill that many, but look how many kids they killed in Uvalde. Uh, look how many, you know, other kids and other people have been killed, you know, multiples of 10s and 20s and sometimes more with these high capacity magazines. My thinking is, all right, fine. You want to have a high capacity magazine. I don't really care. It's, it's not how many bullets you have. It's what you do with them. My contention is that if you have a gun, you need to have a license. You need to be licensed to carry. That's bottom line. That means you go through a training program. That means you go through a screening process. If for any reason they do a background check on you and you come up like this 28-year-old with a little bit of flakiness around the edges, you should be denied a weapon. You should not be allowed to own one until you come up with a good check. That's reasonable. So let's let's say you're a rancher or a farmer. Or let's say you're a, a game hunter. You hunt for food. I don't see anything wrong with that. So you want a weapon? You want a long rifle to go deer hunting with? Fine. Go get a license. You got to have a hunting license. Well, you should also have a license for that weapon. Every other country in the world does it. Why can't we do that? We should be able to issue licenses for you to own a weapon, which means we check you out. You're qualified. You don't necessarily have to go to a a shooting range. All that means is that you look like you're a sane person and you work the action on that thing like you know what you're doing. We don't care if you fire any bullets out of it. Just work the action like you know what you're doing and you can take care of yourself and you, and you won't hurt anybody with it. Bottom line, we don't want you hurting somebody with it. You shouldn't be. If you can't pass a background check, obviously you shouldn't have something. So that's my spiel on that. Bullets bullets are the only things that kill It's the shooter who's responsible, not the weapon. Outlaw weapons? Well, yeah, I believe we should be like other countries. Anything that has uh, the potential to be military style and take out multiple subjects with should be banned for civilian practice. Police departments? Okay, no problem. But again, I believe that policemen should also be qualified on these things. Not all of them are. I mean, they... They don't have quite the training in a lot of ways that they do they need to. They're t- a little bit too quick to pull the trigger a lot of times. And that's that's kind of wrong. And we have suffered from that in quite a few instances here in the last few years. Maybe even longer than that. Most of it's just reported a lot more in the last few years. But that's my that's my whole thing on that. Hunting light you know, if you gotta have a hunting license to kill a deer, you should have a license to carry a gun. Bottom line. And that's, you know, we'll let it go with that. So with that, I'm going to close out. Uh, I got all my articles out and I hope that I was able to entertain you a little bit today. Again, I try to come up with a couple of humorous things. Climate change, a little bit of, you know, not, not, not quite so many political articles like before. And I think I like that. I'm going to keep with that trend. Uh, I'm going to mix things up every week for you Pull some humorous ones if I can find them. Corruption and political, maybe some scientific stuff in various articles, just to kind of keep you entertained as much as I can. Hopefully, I've done that for you. Again, once the we are here at Crombiha, and you can find me on Substack.com, and you can also find me on my website at HTTPS, colon, back, forward slash, forward slash, Five two seven dot website x five dot me. All the things that I publish on Medium and Substack, uh, you can find them there. There's links there to go to the pages. And if you feel like subscribing, I would really appreciate it. But it's not obligate. It's not an obligation. You can still read that stuff for the most part. Any old articles are paywalled, but I try to keep everything freshened up as much as I can. So that's all I got for commercial for today. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week and weekend, and I'll talk to you guys next week.